Oh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your beautiful presence in our worship tonight, Lord. I just thank you that we are gathered in your name. You're in there in the midst of us. You're in us all the time. But, Father, when we come together corporately, lifting up our voices, it just becomes one voice in the beautiful unity of the Holy Spirit. Father, your anointing comes, and we just, oh, we just bask in your love and your presence. Father, I thank you that even, Lord, as, as we're worshiping you, Father, I just believe and know that you're doing things in us, that you're just uh, healing and ministering and refreshing, taking care of things that that we know needs to be taken care of, but we've taken our eyes off of that and we just turned our eyes onto you. And we just say, Lord, here we are. We love you and we praise you. So, Father, we thank you. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive tonight. We just thank you for speaking to us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've uh, been talking about the, the disciplines or the dynamics of a spirit-formed life and and uh, some of the things that we do as we're allowing the Holy Spirit to form us. And the first one that we study, I'll just go back to reiterate for those that uh, haven't been here, was the first one was committing to hearing God's voice. That's the first thing. If we want the Spirit of God to form our life, and He does, but if we want to, I say it like this, have our ground cultivated. You know, I've talked about dropping seeds on hard ground. But if we'll commit to hearing God's voice, we're beginning to plow. We're beginning to allow the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts and give us good ground where those seeds just fall in and begin to grow up and bear fruit. So the first thing is committing to hearing God's voice. And last week, another discipline of a spirit form life is water baptism. When we talked about that, about the things of, uh, it's just so beautiful. All the things that, that uh, the Bible illustrates that happens in water baptism. And, and we had a young man, well, two. I think, I think we have two. Um, I think Hunter said he might want to be baptized on the 28th. And another young man, Gilbert, who's given his life afresh to the Lord, wants to be baptized. Of course, anybody else can too. So uh, it's just exciting of what God does in water baptism. Tonight, you know, when we have understanding, it just increases our faith and our expectancy in what God will do. And tonight we're going to talk about the Lord's table. I love calling it that. We call it communion. Some people call it Eucharist. Eucharist is from a, I think it's a Greek word that means I thank. So it's just coming with thanksgiving. Communion's from the word koinonia, fellowship. But I just, I love calling it the Lord's tables because you really picture him there personally. Hi, David. How are you? Good to, are you all the way from Houston? Yes. My goodness, it's good to see you. I, I realized I saw you all ago and then I forgot because we prayed on Good to see you. Anyway, so, you know, uh, the Lord's table, you know, when you call it that, just just reminds us how personally present he is in his table. Let me just say, you don't have to just take communion here. We do it once a month, uh, the first Sunday. You don't just have to do it here at the church. Um, you can do it in your home. You can receive communion anywhere, anytime you would like to do that. And, uh, you know, you can take communion to others. And it's just so beautiful. And, you know, um, it's just the centerpiece of our Christian faith, the Lord's table. Uh, Because the cross is at the center of the Lord's table. 
And, uh, and the person of Jesus is at the center of the Lord's table. Our worship of Him is there at the center of the table. And you know, um, when we come to the table with understanding, knowing what He's done, what He wants to do, again, we come with expectancy and faith and believing and receiving when we come to that table. You know, And you know what it does? It takes it past tradition. It takes it past just a, a religious ritual, if you will, because it's not. It's an ordinance of the church. It's a discipline of believers of what we do and what we practice. Uh, but what it does, when you come with understanding what he's doing, it takes it from being a tradition where the living word and living worship come together and they re- that coming together releases the power of the Lord's presence at his table because we come expecting, we come knowing that it's more than just a cup of grape juice and a cracker and we come receiving and believing. And I encourage you to take it often in your home. I know Alice talks about taking uh, communion often in her home. Um, so we're going to look at the dynamics that are available when we, when we come to the Lord's table, we receive, when we come in faith knowing it's more than just a tradition of the church. And um, we make it a practice that we do, that the Lord, you know, the Lord told us to be water baptized and the Lord told us to come to his table. He directed us to do it, what? In remembrance of him. So let's look at 1 Corinthians. Alan reads it when we... Um, when we partake um, of communion on the, and on the first Sunday, and I just want to read it, just remind us in First Corinthians chapter 11, I'll read part of it, um, starting at verse 23. Um, Paul's talking here, and he said, I received from the Lord himself that which I passed on to you. He said it was given to me personally that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was treacherously delivered up, and while his betrayal was in progress, he took bread. Just think about that. While his betrayal was in progress, he began the process of redemption. And he took that bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said to them all and to us, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this to call me affectionately to remembrance. And then in verse 25, he said, Similarly, when supper was ended, he took the cup, also saying, This cup is the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it to call me affectionately to remembrance. Verse 26, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are representing and signifying and proclaiming the fact of the Lord's death until he comes again. So he told us, Jesus himself, just like in water baptism, he told us to do this. He didn't tell us how often. He just said, as often as you do it, remember me. And when Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him, he wasn't telling us to focus on his suffering, and he wasn't telling us to focus on our sins, but he was calling us to remember and celebrate his announcement 
it is finished. That's what he wants us to focus on. We see that in John 19, verse 30, that he has finished it. It's done. He's off the cross. He's risen from the dead. He has taken the keys to death, hell, and the grave, and he has utterly defeated the enemy. And he wants us to focus on that and to walk in that victory and to walk in what he's done. And as we celebrate his triumph over all sin, death, and hell, we need to be reminded that it's for us today. I, I, again, I, I'm sure many of you did, and I'm not mad at anybody. I just think about it sometimes. Because I have a real heart for church people, people that go to church that, number one, may not be saved like I wasn't, or number two, maybe, but they just don't know what it's all about. And I love teaching I would call them really basics of the faith in the spirit form life to give us insight and understanding because you just don't want to just come and put a cracker in a, uh, a cup of juice. And you're, you want to come with expectancy and knowing what he's done. And the same in water baptism and everything else. Just the spirit form life, walking in all that he's done. You know, he walked it this way and then he says, now I've given it to you. Now it's yours. Now you walk in it. We celebrate what he's done. We're reminded to never forget to come back to the cross regularly and freshly and receive Christ's victory. We need to remind ourselves that we walk in victory, that he leads us in victory, that he always leads us in triumph. That's, the enemy wants to make us think, uh, well, we're just never going to try. We're never going to get out of this or over this or through this or whatever. But the Bible says that he always leads us in victory. He leads us in triumph. And he says he always makes a way of escape. So I don't know what's going on, but he's got a plan. And our part is to say, Lord, what's your plan? What is your plan? You know, to know it and to walk in it. He gives it to us. Y'all, it's not something we've got to figure out. It's what he's done and prepared and planned. He said that he had predestined happy paths for us to walk in. He's got some happy paths, not miserable, stinking paths. Happy paths. You know? Danny was fixing to have an unhappy path when his shoulder went, irk, or whatever noise it made. But Danny just thought, I'm having a happy shoulder with a happy path, and I'm not going to, you know? I, the Lord always reminds me of this. He said, just tell him no. Tell him no. Does it ever occur to you just tell the devil no? No, you're not. And I realize that sometimes we look like buried in muck and mire and all this stuff. But keep telling him no. No, you're not. No, you don't have the victory over me. No, you don't. Sickness, no, you can't. I resist you. You have to go in Jesus' name. I, whatever he's throwing our way. I just and, and the Lord reminds me of how simple it is to say no. Are you saying no in your own power? No. You're saying no in his power, in his authority. Does the devil stand up to Jesus? Does the devil take off when Jesus says take off? I think he does. Well, guess who's in us saying no? No, you're not. No, you're not. I had a friend. Her name's Lucy. She lives in heaven now. And we went to a... We went to a conference one time. Wanda couldn't go, so Lucy and I just went. Wanda's Rick's mom, but we were a, a God Squad trio that went places and, you know, seeing what all God's doing. And uh, I remember 
she, uh, we were at this conference, and um, we were just talking the next day. It was in a hotel, and we woke up. We were just talking, and, and she told me, she said, you know what? She said, I had a dream last night, and she said, um, she said there was this snake, and she began to describe it, the coloring of it, and uh, she said, and it was big, she was really big, and just, she said, but when it would come near me, I'd just go, no, you don't. You go in Jesus' name. And she said, and it would just turn and go. I mean, just that simple. <laughs> no, she didn't pull it out. She just said, and any of you, just, let's see, there's one that knows Lucy. Margaret knows Lucy, right? You know Lucy. You didn't know Lucy? Pam knows Lucy. Anybody else in here? Arthur knows Lucy, and y'all know Lucy. But she was a little bitty gray-haired lady, but I'm going to tell you one thing. She had the power of God going on in her. And so she just told me the dream, and she said, so we just rejoiced. We could tell God just saying, tell him no. In his name, tell him no. The Lord always said that to me, Kim, just tell him no. You just have to tell him no. So anyway, so we get up, we get ready for the conference, we go downstairs, and of course we go to the tape table, cassettes that back then, and we're looking around, and she goes this, and when she looks down, there is a tape series called The Spirit of Python, and on the cover of that cassette tape series was the picture of the very snake that she saw in her dream. And you know what a python does? What does he do? He tries to squeeze. Yes. The very life out of a church, out of your body, out of a marriage, out of your business, out of whatever it is. He tries to squeeze the very life out of you. Well, hey, guess who bought each a tape series? <laughs> Bobby Jean Merck. Man, she was the teacher that day. She had a white hanky, that woman. She had a little bitty lady, but whew, better look out, devil. And... uh taught on that, but it was just on that, on the power and authority that God's given us over what the enemy tries to do, you know. He's given us power and authority to tread on what? Serpents. I don't really want to tread on them. I just want to do this to them. I don't want to tread. I tread on a little one. When I was remembered this yesterday, I thought, I had not thought of that, Lord, and I don't ever want to think about it again. But one time, my parents, when I was a freshman in high school, adding on to our house a den thing, and we had a little dog, so we had this. Back then, my dad, he was always making stuff, so he made a little gate. Back then, I don't know, we didn't have a dog gate, so he made it with cardboard, and he made a little frame. And we had those pocket doors. Anybody know what a pocket door is where you can pull it out? And so it held a little dog gate. Well, I was going. You had to go step over it from the bedrooms to go into the kitchen, and I was doing that one night. When I, when I stepped over that, stepped right onto a snake that I guess had gotten in through all the remodeling. Oh, Jesus, I had forgotten about it till uh, yesterday, and I could still feel that snake, but I put it out of my mind. So anyway, I don't want to tread on him. I tread on one. I don't like it, uh, so I'd rather speak to him or anyway. But so we saw that. Not totally sure why I told you about the snake thing, other than just walking in what he's given us in the power and authority, and it's in Jesus' name. Y'all, it's not a feeling. It's You don't feel... Uh, anointed particularly. You don't feel strength and power. You speak in his name. What did he tell us to do? Speak to the mountain. Yes. Speak. But the speaking is we're not, we're believing. Yes. We're not doubting. We're speaking to it in his name. And so anyway, 
God has given us all of that. So when we come to the table, we're reminded of what all, and you need to remind yourself of what all he's given us and what all he's done and what all he's put in us. Um, And reminded uh, to never forget to come back regularly and freshly receive his victory. You need a fresh receiving every day of what he's done. We need to remind yourself freshly, whether you're partaking of communion or not, or coming to the Lord's table, but even more when you do, but remind yourself. Revelation 12:11 says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. This proclamation, Romans 12:11. Note a dominion that is assured to the church. They, that's us, where the church overcame him, whom? The devil. By what? The blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony, speaking the word. And we didn't love our lives to the death. We do what he tells us. So there's a dominion that's assured to the church. We will triumph over the powers of darkness. And victory is linked to that abiding testimony of what? The blood of the Lamb. We were at Tree of Life one time, and I forget who was singing. They began to sing um, a song, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Oh, my gosh. So we sang it when we came back, and we got uh, red napkins, cloth napkins, and we'd sing it, and we'd rave. We would just wave, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. You know, tell you back off, devil. I'm telling you, because it is. Is that what he's done has defeated the enemy. Every time we take the cup of the Lord's table in our hands, we're reminded it is intended to be the celebration of not only the victory won, but also a victory that is now available to us. You know, the enemy wants us to come up and he wants us to come and celebrating what Jesus has done. The victory that was accomplished with Jesus' words, it is finished. And it means that our salvation is complete, our deliverance, our healing, our wholeness, everything that he paid for, it's complete, it's finished. Our sins are forgiven, we're justified by his death, it is finished. It's ours for the receiving and the walking in it. It's a declaration that Jesus never wants us to forget. And that victory applies to every confrontation with flesh or the devil that we may face today. That victory is ours. And knowing that we have and that we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb, whatever the enemy tries to throw, we should carry that understanding to the Lord's table when we come and to give thanks to Him for what He's done. Receiving afresh, thank you, Lord. Receiving afresh that victory. The atmosphere of remembrance at the Lord's table is to be one of celebrating in the light of it is finished. It's a celebration to come sometimes. And it's okay to come reverent. I mean, we're not irreverent. Um, it's a proclamation of redemption in what he's done. First Corinthians, again, 11, verse 26 says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. You proclaim his victory. You proclaim it is finished. Matthew 26, verse 29 says, Jesus said, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Can't wait for that. Amen. 
We're going to have a long table, aren't we? <laughs> it's going to go for miles. The Lord's table proclaims not only the redemption that has been accomplished, but also the redemption that we anticipate at his return. Because they'll, they'll finish it up. Jesus told us that when we begin to see certain things come to pass, to what? Look up. Lift up our heads because our redemption draws near. And it does. Yay. Ours is a message of a Savior who not only is coming again, but who right now is available to save all who will receive the good news of his death, resurrection, and his salvation. When we make the proclamation of redemption around the Lord's table, we're sharing the redemption that he has given. We're sharing it. Communion, again, is, comes from the word koinonia. It means fellowship. So when we come, we fellowship together around the Lord's table. We're mutually sharing in equality of the redemptive life that he's given us, that he secured for us on the cross. He got it for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 16 says, The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ, the fellowship of the body? As we think about our redemption, past, present, and future, Jesus wants us to experience it together with each other and with him. It doesn't mean that you can't do it at home, but it means don't forget to come together in the, in the uh, fellowship of the brothers and the sisters. It's a spirit of faith and celebration and proclamation at our Lord's table when we come. I thought, oh, I should have had communion ready tonight. I just said, let's take it now. <laughs> we take the cup and we drink it to all that he has done and will do. Jack Hayford says this. He said, I don't mean this irreverently, he said, but when I pick up that cup, I want to say, I drink to that. We drink to that. We agree with what you've done, and you've done it not somewhere near future, but you've done it right here, right now in us. And that work continues. Remember when Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 53, he said, You have to eat my body, remember that one, and drink my blood or you'll have no life in you. And much of the crowd left after he said that. And they said, Okay, you've gone too far. What in the world? <laughs> and, you know, he kind of had a crowd that was really just kind of hanging for the miracles or maybe the food he was giving out. So when he delivered that, you know, some of those that were hanging on for maybe just the frills, didn't stay. But those that stayed found the meaning. The disciples told him, you know, well, that's a hard thing that you said, you know. Uh, that's in John 6, uh, verse 60. But Jesus told them, he said, listen to the words that I'm speaking because they are spirit and they are life. You know, the Lord's telling them, I'm talking about a spiritual truth here. You know, they hung around to find out what he's talking about. You do need to drink my blood in its spiritual power. And you do need to eat my body for its spiritual nourishment. It's a spiritual thing. There's spiritual power. You know, when the Lord tells us stuff, do you ever think about this? When he tells us this, 
how man would do things. You know how the Bible says that God's ways are higher than ours? His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. So a lot of people go, oh, what does it do? Oh, water baptism. Oh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, you know, I'm saved. Oh, I got enough. Okay. I know. I don't know why I get in that voice. But. <laughs> it's that kind of whiny eh, voice. <laughs> you don't have enough. Nope. He says to ever be being filled. We didn't just like get saved to plop off in a chair. He wants to fill us. He wants to give you joy and peace and fix your stuff and fix your problems and help you through. But the devil's sitting over here trying to get you to just plop down and say, well, I don't know, it's too hard even for God. But it's not. And so I'm just thinking about this. You know, Jesus tells us, okay, for them, pick up wine. And I know some churches do wine. We do grape juice. But anyway, you know, um, but take that. It's, it's a spiritual nourishment for you. Be water baptized. There's stuff that happens when you do it, you know, but everybody's going to try to get it up here and figure it out and decide if we want to or not. You know, I'm just saying, just get it off of here and just, if he said do it, just do it. What if Mary would have just sat down and figured out what all might happen to her, like she might get stoned to death or something. But she loved not her life, even to death, because they would have killed her. And we got to... You know, we ought to decide. Do we want what God has or not? I do. I do. Man, when we watch that, y'all watch that, the video on Sunday when the fire. All right, now I know it. I don't know how it looked, but that was, I like that rendition. I said, oh, do it again, Jesus. Do it every day. You know, that we have and walk in all that he's got for us. And God gives us things that this head doesn't always get. Just do it. Just receive it. Just say, I want what he's got. By partaking of the Lord's table, we receive a transfusion of his holy power through the pure dynamic of the blood of Jesus Christ. See that in the spirit realm and receive it. Why don't you just put your arm out there when you drink it? Just kind of put your arm out. Just give yourself a little symbolism that ah, the blood of Jesus, fresh transfusion. You know, when people are anemic and can't bury, what do they do? They go get somebody's blood to fill in there. And I'm just saying, see yourself, picture it. You know, Jesus taught in parables, so think of pictures and the picture, that going in you. It's faith. It's receiving it. You know, the Israelites' deliverance from Egypt is another illustration of the dynamics of the Lord's table. Because the Hebrews placed what? The blood of the lamb over the doorpost. Now, just think about this. If somebody had said, well, now, this plague's coming and this angel's going to kill uh, the firstborn in this house, if you don't put blood over this. Now, how many of you go, well, how is blood going to do that? I mean, think about it. Isn't that what we do in our lives? That when God says something, we just start beginning to analyze and try to figure it out. Instead of getting in the Word and just begin speaking what He's doing and letting Him perform it, no matter what it looks like. But we just start trying to analyze, well, how could God possibly fix that? How could He possibly heal that? You know how long they've been sick? I mean, you get what I'm saying? We just plop it up into here and we never let it drop into faith down here. God's ways are different than ours, y'all. They're different. So just why don't you just step into what he says to do and let him perform what he has asked you to do. You do it by faith and then he does it. So the Hebrews took that blood and put it over. Were they protected? Yes. 
Yes, they were. Did the death angel get to come in and take No, because they took the blood. They put the blood. They just simply followed his direction on their doorways. Prior to the move of God that would finally cause their deliverance, they began to do that. They did what he said. And then what they do? Then they ate that lamb. They ate the sacrifice in order to gain strength for the coming journey. So when the Lamb of God says, Jesus, the Lamb of God says, Come and remember me and take of my body. He's saying, be nourished, be strengthened for the journey. As people who, like Israel, are being delivered, we need strength for life. Anybody need it? I do. (laughs) So we come to the Lord's table in acknowledged dependence. We say, we can't, you can't. We're in dependence on you, God. To draw on God-ordained resources that are found in our Savior. We come and we draw on those. We're called to come to his table to receive forgiveness for our failures. We're called to come to his table to receive nourishment and power for practical living in Christ. Second, I mean, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 29, tells us not to partake of it in an unworthy manner. And he talks about examining ourselves. One thing back then... They were having divisions, and and Paul was instructing them on how to receive it, and those that had would come in and eat it all up, and those that didn't have as much weren't weren't, uh, being allowed or anything left for them. So he's instructing them. So when he talks about examining them, he's saying, you know, um, and in fact, the word in the Greek talks about run a test. You know, run a test on your heart and see what's there. When He's talking to them when you come to the table, and I say when we come to the table. Not in condemnation, but just just say, you know, you know, they were having divisions, and here they're coming to the table of forgiveness. They're coming to the table of cleansing, and they got all this division and selfishness and all this stuff going on. So they needed to consider, you know, hey, let's let the Lord cleanse this junk out of us, because where does He command the blessing in unity? So they needed to examine that they were doing some things in this fellowship. And it's okay not to get in on condemnation, but to allow the Lord to say, you come in to a table when you just got unforgiveness like crazy over here. And you want this forgiveness. Consider and say, Lord, hey, I drink the cup of forgiveness for thee. And forgive. And then when it talks about the unworthy manner, it doesn't mean... Any of this doesn't mean that we're to reflect on our unworthiness because you know what? None of us are. None of us are worthy of anything God's ever done. But the meaning of this worthy and the unworthiness, it has to do with weight, not perfection. It has to do in ancient times with the actual weight of a coin. Because of the weight of a coin was what gave you its value or its worth. You know, if you go sell gold, what do they do? They weigh it. And when they weigh it, what they weigh it, what it weighs is the value that they pay you for. And so in ancient times, coins had a weight to them. But through usage, the coins could lose some of their value because the weight, the coins would be uh, used and it, and it would be worn away through use. And it would become reduced in value 
or in buying power because it didn't weigh as much. So the value wasn't there. So in this light, when he's talking about uh, not coming or coming to the table unworthily, he's saying and examine ourselves. We're to look at our heart attitudes when we're coming to the table to see that we're recognizing the full weight and the full worth of what Christ has done for us at Calvary. When we come, we're recognizing the weight of it. And we're receiving the weight of what he has done and the worth of what he's done. We come to partake of full forgiveness, full deliverance, full healing, the full weight of what he's done. That's coming worthily. We come not in perfection, but in participation, receiving the full weight of what he's done. The Bible not only tells us Jesus' blood was shed for our sins, but it also tells us that his body was broken for our suffering and for afflictions. Matthew 8:17 says, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So we can see that healing is available to us, or he wouldn't have told us this. It's bequeathed among the many resources available to us through his cross. It's healing. As well. And now we can see while Paul reflects on those who had come to the table unworthy, those who had come without drawing on the full weight of resources available, and he says, for this reason, why? Because they came unworthily. That means they came not receiving the full weight of what he had done. And he said, so because of this, many of you are what? Weak and sick. He's pointing out their lack, not, not pointing out their lack of perfection, but he's pointing out their lack of participation in what Jesus had done. For fully partaking in faith and receiving all Jesus had for them at the table, he's speaking them, uh, to them about that. He's saying he has provided this, come to the table and fully receive the full weight of what he's done. And he says, because you're not participating in that, you're not coming in that way. He said, some of you are sick. Some of you are weak. even said some have come to an early death. Well, that's powerful, y'all. If you see it in that light of coming to the table, that's powerful. You know what I see about God? I'm going to tell you where he spits on bud, puts it in your eye, where he speaks the word, uh, whether you come to the table, whatever he wants you healed, whole, delivered, set free. I mean... Just so many ways in the Word. Pick one, receive one, take it. I encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to anoint your time of participation at the Lord's table so that you may benefit fully of all that He's done. His table is the central focus of our worship, the central resource of our walk in faith. We come to His table to remember what he has done, what he has bought and paid for for us. The power and benefit available to us at the Lord's table do not come from human nutrients. They come from divine sustenance promised to us in the Word of God. Amen. Father, we thank you. We'll come to the table (laughs) new and afresh, Lord. We thank you for giving us understanding. Father, we've had 
Thank you for reminding us. Thank you for showing us again and, and, and just opening your word to us, Father, through Brother Jack Haver, just the revelation you've given him and understanding. And, Father, we just take it and, and, and put it on the plate and we just eat from your table, God. Father, you, you prepare a table before us and even in the presence of our enemies. You anoint us with fresh oil, Father. We don't have to wait till circumstances are perfect. We come to the table right where we are. And Father, you're the one that has prepared this table. You're the one that has provided everything we need at this table. And Father, spiritually, we sit at the table every day. We come to the table every day and receive. We thank you, Father, for giving us your table. We thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, I'll pray for you tonight.